Welcome to the show, Real Relationships with Dr. Terrence Schofield, or better known as Dr. T, the people <laughs> psychologist. It is so exciting to have you join us today, and we do have Dr. T in the studio. How are you today, Dr. T? Thank you, Sister Joe. I am doing fantastic. It's just good to be alive and here with you this morning, this evening. I know it's going to be a great show, like always. Yes, yes. I always look forward to it. Now, our topic today, Dr. T, we are dealing with the the word that's in the culture now, racism. And wow. that is, the topic is racism in relationships. How do we handle a relationship when racism is detected? Man, that's. We can do series on this, but (laughs) we're going to focus on racism in relationships. And I can't help, though, before we get started, and I know you have a quote, too. I actually want to read a scripture this morning because or today because it kind of deals with, you know, what we deal with on a daily basis as Christians and even as non-Christians, to tell you the truth. It talks about putting on the armor of God and why we need to when it comes to topics like this, because this is a deep topic and it's almost an evil topic as well that we have to address in the culture today. And that scripture comes from Ephesians 6, 10 through, I'm going to read through 18, if you don't mind. Let me start that scripture. And it's called the armor of God. And it says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What a powerful scripture that to me covers not only 
being a Christian that's in faith, but being one that's seeking and being one that's in the world, just non-Christian as well, because we're dealing with these evil things in the world today. And racism is one of those evil things that just haunt us and has haunted us for a long time and keep relationships from forming beautiful relationships, cultural relationships, and spiritual relationships, and even love relationships. So I had to read that because of the whole thought of this evil presence when it comes to racism. Without further ado, we're going to jump right in with you, Dr. D. (laughs) And I know you're going to respond to that scripture, so let's do it. Shoot, Sister Joe, you just, I mean, you laid it out, you know. In these days and times when we are struggling with calling things sin and evil, you know, it's almost unpopular. To, 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 to That text right there just tells me that that anything that's evil is sin. And we all don't have to be convinced by a commercial on TV that racism is sin. When we stop compromising from calling evil for what it is, we allow evil to exist. And when you call it a sin, that's something I don't care if you I don't care if you're a conservative evangelist on the Southern Baptist Convention or a liberal pink haired tutu, whatever you are, you you when you call it what it is, you can agree that racism is sin. Mm -hmm. Now we just need to stop tripping and stop trying to say, okay, now here we go. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying this. We're gonna have to find. First, we got to start off this thing by saying it is a sin. It's evil. It's evil for any kind of discrimination or prejudice or antagonism directed against any particular person. If you can't call that a sin, then you need to stop. You ain't you ain't a Christian. That's right. If you can't, if you can't agree with me that prejudice, discrimination, or any antagonism against anyone is wrong, then you know, by George, you got a problem. Houston, we got a situation. Absolutely. <laughs> so right now we ground zero. Amen. All these listeners, if you can concur with me and Sister Joanne that prejudice, discrimination, and antagonism to rest against anyone, white, black, Puerto Rican, whatever you are, is a sin, then we guess what? We don't want to call it. And if you can't agree, you might as well shut the channel off because you're going to get ready to hear something you ain't going to like. Okay. Period. Bing, bada, bing. <laughs> now, since we since we're on common ground now, understanding that anything evil, anything that this whole definition of what racism is, is what I just read to you. The Oxford Dic- Dictionary definition of racism is any prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against any someone based on the premise that one's that one's own race is superior or inferior. That is racism. So we've agreed that that's sin. Now, I think that scripture text you just read, Sister Joe, sets it right, don't you? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, here's the issue. Now, since the church understands that, see, the Bible's telling us right there that the only way to address this is by the word of God. Now, I know a lot of things have been done in Christendom wrong. I understand if we go back to the history of, of the church, that we understand that racism in the church, we can see racism in the church. When you go back and you can see it in, in, in Ephesians 2, 14, 15, when Jesus had to come to take care of the racism between the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. He says, he, I sent him to be a, to be a mediator. He, he, it became him to set down the walls between Jews and Gentiles. That's early 
Christianity racism. We could pull old Peter off the rooftop when he was up there meditating. And he out there talking about, man, I ain't never ate no swine. I ain't never did that thing. In Acts chapter 10, he says, come on, man. What I made clean, don't you call uncommon. Peter was having a racist moment because he had already had discrimination and prejudice against. So come on now. The words got the answer. So the scripture tells us that here's how you fight with it. You don't go out there and get the cultural. You can understand the cultural definition of what racism is. But the scriptural, the, the mediation for that is racial reconciliation and biblical justice. That's how we fight. It. That's what that scripture is saying. Let's go back to the word. Let's pull down them throne things with the word of God. Stand truth. Preach the word. Stand against the word. And then how do we do that in, in practicality, uh, Dr. T? That's what we're going to talk about today, right? Absolutely. How okay. we address racism in everyday relationships, how we address racism in church, and then we're going to talk to the pastors, how you approach explaining that. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you talk to the pastor. They need answers, they need understanding, and then so I, you got something because I'm going to leave that up to you, but let me deal with the first two. Let me deal with the everyday relationships. Let us deal with it. We see that, in, in especially in African-American community, we see that in, in profiling. We see that in the history of redlining, where you had certain property, you know, positional mm -hmm. property things. We see it in various discriminations. We see it in the George Floyd situation, the traumatic thing. Everybody was hurt by that. But I want to give a challenge today to our listeners today that, that I want to say that America's, America experience, America was profiled. Everybody in America really got to understand what profiling was like by the 9-11 and the recent pandemic. Let me say that again. America was profiled. Everybody, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, anybody lived in America got to feel what it meant to be profiled by the incoming things of the 9-11, the attacks of 9-11 and the pandemic. And let me determine and let me define what profiling is on the national level on those two uh, disasters, on those two uh, pandemic situations and the horrific situations. The meaning of profiling means to be unprotected. They know what it meant to be unprotected. When, when the pandemic hit, when 9-11 hit, we felt unprotected. America felt unprotected. They felt what, well, not, not only African-American, but let me say, they felt what African-American feels like when he's unprotected, like George Floyd. You, you know what it means to be unprotected and you and subject to random violence and mm -hmm. hate it. That's the meaning of what it means to be profiled, unprotected, subject to random violence and hate it. And so it's okay, I'm gonna to speak to African-Americans today or anybody out there that it's okay. Well, most people have tried to understand what the African-Americans uh, experience that it's not relative. That 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 it's that it's not a psychosocial issue if you want to go to American Psychology Association, but the American Psychology Association (AP) APA, the accrediting body for psychologists, said that it's okay for African Americans to have a healthy cultural paranoia, because that means that the things that they have to they have to deal with in life. It's what I'm just talking about the whole idea of profiling. How America said that. So the whole idea of how society has has had to has had to subject themselves to things that they felt unprotected with, and things that they felt uh, subject to random violence with, random, random violence acts. Look at the shooting in the schools mm, and yes. hate it. Look at all this stuff that's going on all around us. So America is in the condition of being profiled right now. 
because everything that's happened to us. So we all got a common story here. And so I think it's very important to understand that when we, we if you go back in the, in the history of racism, racism and classism is like Walmart and Kmart. Because racism perpetuated in the, in the, in the context of looking at racism is looking at somebody that's another race as, as one superior and one inferior. That's really equal to classism. It sets another class beyond another. And the whole motivation behind that is to have a one-upness. And the reason why we can't deal with it as a church body and the reason why we can't deal with it as a society is because there's too much hurt in history with it. Desmond Tutu said to deal with reconciliation is hurtful, painful, and it's truthful. I like America that. Truthful. Mm-hmm. Truthful. Yeah, it's not only hurtful and painful, but it's truthful because you got to deal with the truth if you're going to deal with racism. And, and I'm not going to, because see, I tell people all the time, it's not about guilt. This thing is not about guilt. It's about American, it's about inclusive history of how everybody is involved in this whole thing called America. And we all got histories that brings us to this point that we got to kind of understand. So when I deal with workshops with this, it's not about guilt, it's about understanding. I know my white brothers have been in situations and sisters where they have been felt like that it's, 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 it's hatred or it's, or it's a history of, of making them feel like they're inferior or they're bad. That's not what it's all about. But I'm not going to isolate you and say that when you go back in and deal with some of these things, it's, it's going to be hurtful. It's going to be painful. But you can change the paradigm. Mm-hmm. But you got to understand it and you got to have some history behind it. And we got to understand each other's history and understand this. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I would absolutely agree. I think you hit it on the nail. (laughs) In order to understand how I walk in my shoes, in my culture, you need to understand something about my culture. You need to understand what my history was and vice versa. Because I think when we don't understand each other's history, we miss out on some incredible relationships, some incredible friendships, business and everything. We miss out on that. So it's very important that you um, take the time to actually educate yourself on what really happened, because there is some truth, you know, to this whole thing of racism and how it even came about. And we can't skip that, Dr. T. There's no way we can skip that. There's no way we can put it on the rug. And there's no way we can sugarcoat it or soften it. Absolutely, Sister Joe. And I think that on both sides of the church, I want to say that I've seen some evangelicals, conservative evangelicals approach this thing. And they have taken great steps toward toward that's what the that's what being woke is all about. The woke thing start because it was selling white evangelical churches that we got to do something. The Imago Day exists. I mean, Christ, <laughs> God is in humanity. Mm. God is in human people. God came down. That's what John three sixteen is all about. So we can't be justifying slavery no more because if Christ lives in them, and if we got a new relationship in Christ that they talk about, then these others are our brothers and sisters. We got a new relationship, so we got to be able to treat them like new relationships, not like property, not like stuff we own, not like things that we can oppress and try to control. Right, right. We got a new relationship now. That's my brother and my sister. 
that don't mean that I stop being black and you stop being white. No, that means that you got to start treating me like I'm a brother. I got to start treating you like my sister. I got to treat you with a value and quality because the nature of Christ lives in you. That's my new relationship. So Amen. I can't take the fuck no more. I can't be having all this stuff in my life that, that's impeding us from having an equal relationships. That means we both bring value to this relationship because Christ is the value in me and the Christ is the value in you. And we got to live that thing out. Yes. Hurt, pain, indifference, or whatever. <laughs> Evangelicals want to do reconciliation. They didn't want to stop at justice. Mm. And see, justice requires culture to change. You can't do justice without changing the culture. Mm, say it again, Dr. T. <laughs> Amen. You can't change. You can't deal with justice without changing the culture. Cult the culture is your policy. The culture is your politics. The culture is everything that remains. That See, see evangelicals want to set up in there and talk about, I'm going to have a convention, and you want to have reconciliation, but you ain't changed your policy. You ain't changed your culture. You ain't changed that, that I need to give out and give you equal justice. I need to have equal footing with you. You can't have reconciliation without justice. That's why you can't do biblical reconciliation without biblical justice. Then let's go on down to the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord with all your heart and soul, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's righteousness. You're right with God, but there's justice with your neighbor. He says, in all these, everything hangs. You can't do one without the other. So I want to talk to my brothers that's setting up in the escalons of high church that think that you can go over here and talk about that you can have reconciliation without being able to correct your policy, without doing something inside your structure that's going to make equality for everybody. You can't do that. No, you can't. I'm, in fact, I'm going to take a broad step and say I'm going to call it a sin because Jeremiah 9.24 tells me that God says delight in me because I'm the God of justice and righteousness. He didn't say I wouldn't either or. He says I'm both and. So what you going to do with that? Both so then, and. Like, like, like my boy said on the movie, radio. Radio. They asked radio how many pies he want when he was in there with Coach Jones. He said both. <laughs> this is not either or but both and. So I'm not angry at you evangelical conservatives. They're doing reconciliation. That's a good thing. What I'm trying to say, my passion is, hear my passion and not anger. My passion, I'm going to challenge you, is that you got to do both. How, is that, how does that look? That looks like this. If your policy, well, if your policy doesn't, doesn't go in line with the Bible, then you need to stop being, <laughs> you need to stop being a church or a Christian. You, you let the Bible be your policy. Let your Bible guide your, your, your politics. You start increasing more diversity in where you are. You start putting more places for people to live that equal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, how do you do that? Philippians 2, 3, 4. Jesus didn't consider it. Jesus said, you know, you got to consider others more than yourself. Is anywhere in your policy that don't include others more than yourself? Then guess what? Your policy is inadequate. I'm sorry. And then we got the other side of, 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 of you want to go to the conservative liberal side of the church and I'm going to shut up. They champion justice issues, but frequently do they want to reconcile. And when they want to reconcile, they want to use the cultural way of reconciling and not the biblical way of justice. The Bible mm -hmm. dictates to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21, how to do this reconciling thing, because Jesus is your example. Just do what Jesus did. The WWJD that thing. <laughs> Right. Let, let's do it that way. That's reconciliation. Let's, let's do it that way. 
you know, you you going to do justice issues. You can't go out to the culture and let the culture. See, that's what the church tries to do. We go out and do culture. I'm not saying the cultural things that we can't learn something from that, but you better put the Bible before the culture. You let the Bible dictates what we need to have remedies in the culture with. And that's why the culture is dominating now. That's why their voice is so loud, because the church is sitting around silent. And their Bibles is open, but their mouths are closed. Wow. That's all I got to say on it. That's revelation right there. Too yeah. silent about the most important issues. Now, Dr. T, you know, I'm going to let you start off on the pastors because you're a pastor yourself or a former pastor. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. the approach to explaining the racism, because it was a question brought to you, how do we do it? How do we help this? How do we tell the Black history? How do we help our counterparts with this? So I'm going to let you start out and I'll say a little bit on that myself. Well, I think that's a good topic uh, when you say how to do it. I think that um, everybody's got to learn everybody. We got to learn and get some understanding of, the, of, of not only the history, but the lives of people. You almost got to live empathy. You got you to have an empathetic understanding and a brother and sister of Christ response to the lives and things that are happening in people's lives. We got to develop an empathy for the daily realities of the experiences in racism that exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that our white brothers and sisters, not them only, but everybody needs a deeper understanding of this inclusive history that everybody that lives in America has. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Black, indigenous, people of color. And that don't just mean it's a black and white thing. It means everybody thing. It means even with white people, we need to learn that. And we've got enough American history. We, I mean, it's cool that we got that. And we need to learn more of that as African-American people. We need to learn American history, but we also need to learn our own history. We need to learn other people's Asian histories. We just need to understand each other better, you know? Because when people don't understand each other, even Jesus wrote in the scriptures, he said, John 15, 15, he said, I've written these things that you may know me. And so we got to know people in order to, in order to respond to people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important. So those two things is what I think need. There was a question asked me by a colleague, and I'm going to wrap it up and give this over to you. One colleague asked me, he said, how do we get rid of the systemic stuff that is in the church? And my response to him was, and I don't know if it's right or not, but I said, well, if I come in and I face those systemic power structures that are in, we all know what politics in the church, black, white, well, I don't care where you are, there's some power structures in there. Amen or yes. amen. Yes. So I was saying, now let's say, for instance, if I go to an all white church and I try to adjust that power, some people, not all of them, may say, well, here you're playing the race code. So I would say that it's not necessarily for me to address that power by myself, I should. So African-American people should speak to that. That's what Dr. King and Gandhi and all those people did. But I think that our white brothers and sisters should address that with white people because they can have that conversation. And then it will be heard differently from another ethnic representation or another person with different experiences or all other people should. But specifically, I think 
that's how I addressed the question to the, to, uh, the person. This particular person, colleague asked me, was African American. He asked that question. And then another question was asked, what, what can I do? What can, can you help me? And then there was one, this white person said that. And then one white guy got up and said, it was great. He said, well, what you got to do is you first got to go educate yourself. That's right. And then, yeah. And then come to, to ask them help from other people. But first, educate yourself. Take first self-examination. Teach yourself. Train yourself up on things and get knowledgeable about things. And then ask the questions that you have because your questions are more deeper now. And it causes you to have a little empathy and involve yourself inside somebody else's life. This goes back to what I just said, developing empathy for the daily realities. You become aware of the daily realities of people, then you can have that conversation. Because if you're going with it without even understanding or acknowledging those daily experiences of, that those realities in that person, then, you know, you you coming wrong. <laughs> you don't you get checked. Right. Right with exactly. the right person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I love so much what you're saying, all of it is so good and it gives us a lot to think about. I would address to the black pastor and then to our counterparts, our Caucasian friends and pastors, to the black pastor, I just think it's just important for you to know your own culture and know your own history. Right now, this is a time in our culture where pastors, particularly Black pastors, need to step up and start understanding their own Black history or the history that their forefathers have went through. Some of us say we know all of it, but there's so much to it, Dr. T, that is not being talked about. We repeat so many things about Black history um, that's on a every yearly basis that is re redundant. It's just repetitive, but we're not digging deep to some of the cultural impact that um, Black history had on our lives. So for the Black pastor, it's time for you to just step up and know your Black history, study it. And if there are books out there for you to actually grab it, which I do know of one, which is Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, which includes everybody in the Black history experience. And it gives you an even softer or just a, a wonderful way of approaching history. So there is no excuse. There is enough out there for you, Black pastors, to take this stand now and not only to bring this in your church in a way this can be taught during your vacation Bible school times, during Sunday school. This can be taught within there. And, and particularly in this book, there's a whole religious section of how the Black church began and how important it is to even our spiritual walk today. That you are called and it is your responsibility to actually know that and mm. teach that as those that have been called by God. 
I don't care what anybody say. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this. But it, if you are a black pastor, it's time for you to step up and take your role in that. Why? Because our counterparts need you too. That are mm. in the same lane that you are in. They need to understand the black mm. history. They need to go deeper. They need you to say it to them because you are working beside them. You are working with them in the gospel. So if anybody should embrace it, if anybody should talk about it, you should be talking about it. You, it should be you. When it mm. comes to the CRT, you should understand what that is and you should have an answer for that. And it goes back to your history, how your forefathers fought for us to be here today. There's some importance in that. There is some importance in that because they fought and because they went through that, that nobody wants to seem to embrace today because it's important that you embrace that. We're not trying to force it on you. We're just trying to say, be educated about it, know more about it and teach it in the way that God has called you and incorporate it within the way you are walking your walk in the gospel. It cannot be left out because here's the thing. Our black history is based on the word of God, is based on the church. Hmm. We were the ones singing the hymns. Wow. How I got over. And, you know, Moses, go down to Egypt land. It was that gospel. It was that mentality of who God was, we held to that. So for it's time for you to bring it about in a different yeah. way. It's not time for you to be silent. It's not time for you to try to fit into the reconciliation noise that's out there. No, it's time for you to be bigger than that. And it's time for you to educate yourself more on it and to bring it in a whole different way. It's time for you, African-American pastor, to change the narrative, but keeping the truth of history within the narrative. Wow. It wow. just, it just wow. is. And then Caucasian pastors, our beautiful friends who love us dearly and who wants to know more about it. It is time for you to connect with those pastors and let yeah. them have the stage to come into your church or to just come alongside you to help you understand it. And you mm. guys work together at it. And this mm. is very crucial here. It is time for you to realize there was some history of your forefathers in this too that was not pretty. Yeah. That was not good. Mm. But that doesn't mean you have to keep that. That doesn't mean <laughs> that you have to keep that. It just doesn't. What it means is that you've been spared long enough, even though you saw some of it, you've been spared long enough to change the narrative from your cultural side. My mama. Because that's what it's going to take. Mm. That's true reconciliation. It just is. It's time to, as you said in the beginning, to stop stepping around this and coming up with all these programs to reconcile this when we need to educate ourselves about this and do something that is going to be impactful for our culture today. Amen. And the CRT, come on, guys. 
let's change the narrative. It's not about the book in school and, you know, the slavery being thrown in your face. We're not trying to do that. No. But here's the fact, which I told you, Dr. D, you are Black history. Yeah. I am Black history. Yeah. And nobody can take that away. And so, mm. therefore, I need you, other cultures, to understand that I'm that. And I'm not trying to push you away. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to do any of that. I just want you to say, I'm going to find out more and I'm going to see how I, and it goes back down to the individual thing too. Not only just the pastors, it comes down to the lay minister. Then it goes down to your family. Then it goes yeah. down to your children. It trickles out how I'm going to change the narrative today. Mm. A day, not tomorrow. You know what's out there. That's what this, that's what BHM 365, Black History Matters 365 is about. It's not trying to call people out. Mm-mm. It's just saying this must be discussed and that history, our American history, it's inclusive. Yeah. I mean, this is just not about me just having black people on the show, although, you know, it's predominantly that, but I have had the co-authors of this book I'm talking about is black and white. And they're taking their experiences, Dr. Mm. Joel and Dr. Walter is taking their experiences and they brought them together in a book that's inclusive, that tells the truth about Mm -hmm. how it really happened. That's Mm. all we're saying. We're not trying to brainwash your children. We're not trying to do any of that. None of that is going on. It's just simply saying, like you said, and I'll sum it up with this. You got to get educated about it. You got to dive more into your history and their history. And then we bring these two histories together as these two co-authors did. And is Mm. revolutionizing the world right now with their book in schools. Wow. So, you know, there is a responsibility here. Yes, it is. It's time to stop it. Mm. Just stop it and start mm. working together. My, my, my. Now, look here. These audience, you've been listening to me, but I told you there was some fire in the kindling with Sister Joe. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, a, it's, a tight, it's, it's such a subject in our culture now. And we yeah. got it. And I thank you for bringing it forth, you know, today. I think it's more than just this one part. We're not trying to sum it up right here today. No. We're starting the conversation and we're creating mm. a new narrative. A new and narrative. I think, <laughs> and I think <laughs> you're doing that with being on Trevecca campus and you're going to be doing well, that with a group of pastors today, which I'm excited about. And we say, Hello to them and God's blessing upon that meeting because yeah. it is important when they listen to this. Listen yeah. to us. We're just saying, let's start really doing something and stop hiding. Yes. And let's stop. change the narrative. Can, can I add what you just said? Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't add to that, but I just, I mean, man, that's that's awesome. When everything you said is so true. And we got to come. The preachers have to understand that you got to relate the biblical context. You've got to see racism in the Bible. 
because it's there. We got to stop thinking that racism does not connect with the Christianity, with the Bible. It's in there, but it gives us an explanation of the reality that is there so that we can own it in our lives. If we can't see the connection between racism that was in the Jews and the Gentiles, then what? Come on now. Why do you think he put that in there? When they did the when they, when they did the canon, they could have took that out, but God put the scriptures in there and he gave it to us as an example so that racism and Christianity can be Walmart and Kmart. It's not a bad thing to, that we that we have experiences like that. Even white people experience racism. They have reverse racism. And all of us have this stuff going on. So we don't have to be that kind of uh, what do you don't touch things uh, and, and don't deal with them. We, 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 like you said, we can't stop shrinking back. The, President Dan Boone said something that was powerful the other day. He says, if you don't believe, he says, Revelation was written for to, to understand critical race theory. He said, because where else do you find where there's dominions and powers and things in high places that Revelation talks about? It gives symbols. I mean, all of that is that was so powerful when, when Dr. Boone said it, President Trebek, I thought that was so powerful because it made it like not this don't touch it thing. Mm -hmm. It's in there and you can explain it. I'm not justifying critical race theory because now I'm saying there's some things about critical race theory I disagree with, but there's some of it that I understand as a black person that I see systems every day. And I'm not saying just black people don't see systems, white people see systems, Asian people see systems. We all see systems. We saw We all see classism. We see the rich and the poor. I mean, you go, you ever went to the gas pumps lately? You think there ain't inflation ain't hitting us in here? I mean, that's a system. I mean, there, 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 there's, you know what I mean? And so I think that it's just so interwoven to the fabric of life, humanity. This racism is a humanity issue. That's what the Imago Dei did. When the Imago Dei right. taught us that we can't sell property, we can't put people down to property. He don't care who they are. We can't relegate them and the sense where in, in a human, that because the image of God lives in them, you can't just treat humanity any kind of way because God lives in humanity. Mm. So that, that squelched all that slavery stuff and all that other stuff. I love so, I love it. I you know, love what Humanity you're is beautiful. We, we all got to do this together. We got to learn how to do this thing. You know, we do. Oh, and I and I need my brothers and sisters of, 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 of any ethnicity of my brothers and sisters. I need them all to help rid this world of the evil of the sin of racism and of classism and of I'm better than you ism, whatever that is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people, we got to work this thing out where it's just a week and it's not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's a week. A month. It's a year. It's, it's a year. It's, hey, there you go. So we 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 got to deal with us. Yes, yeah. I love it. I know that this. We're gonna have to do another show. See, I love when this happened because there's more to it. But yeah. you have been listening to the Real Relationship Show with Dr. T, the people psychologist, and me just tapping in a little bit with Dr. T because he gets me so excited <laughs> on BHM. 365 podcast where we talk about inclusive American history. Now, to get that book I um, talked to you about, I will say it again, but I will also list it in the notes, in the um, show notes 
a link there where you can buy that book. Now, pastors, you need to purchase the book, period, bar none, because it will help you in a major way. So thank you for joining us today and make sure everyone you tune in next time on Real Relationships with Dr. T on BHM 365.